Hi, everyone. My name is Melanie Pitsy. I'm the CEO of the GPA. And I'm Tiffany Appleby, SVP of Alliances and Marketing at Amidas. And you're listening to the Humans of Payroll podcast. We love the payroll industry and the talented people within it. In each episode, we'll introduce you to another fantastic payroll person who will share their expertise and personal experiences. So, hey, Tiffany, shall we get going? Let's get going. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Hey, Mel. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I can't believe we're already on our next episode of Humans of Payroll. It's really exciting. It is. It is. They're moving fast and hopefully the audience is enjoying them just as much as we are. Yeah, they're they're great fun. So um, today I'm delighted to say that we have Steve Bevan with us. So Steve, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone and um, would you like to just let everyone know a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, So Steve Bevan um, is called Stephen only by my mother and my current email work address, which is a little bit frustrating, but there you go. Um, I currently work for um, Trellix in Ireland, in Cork. Um, I've been with um, Trellix since just March, February, March of this year. Um, So a pretty new role for me, a pretty new job. Um, Prior to that, I've been in Ireland for the best part of 20 years now. Um, I've mainly been involved since I've been here in setting up payroll as part of shared service payroll function uh, within the finance organization. Um, Initially, when I first came over, it was for EMEA. I spread my wings a little bit through sort of experience and ambition, Um, took on APJ and LATAM, and now my last couple of roles have have been global. So have also included responsibility for for North America as well. So I'm... uh, I'm a glutton for punishment and I, ha- I have control of the world, says the megalomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you haven't lost your you haven't lost your accent considering you've been in Ireland for 20 years. No. Yeah, it's odd. I guess prior to that. Right. I, I, I was obviously in the UK and, and a, a payroll manager in the UK for some from large organizations. And because of that, traveled around quite a lot. So, you know, north, south. And originally I'm from Merseyside. And so. I've tended to sort of squash my accent a little bit from a very early age. And I think that habit has just continued. So when I've come here, you know, I've sort of continued in the same mode and it's just, it stayed pretty constant, I guess, now for the last 30, 35 years. Very funny. It's funny the way that works out and you make, you know, you sound a bit um, regionally agnostic, uh, which is great for the news and all other things in which you don't want to reveal <laughs> any regional regional association. Yeah, it's it's when I it's when I start to um, talk about sport that people generally can tend to then pinpoint which part of the UK I'm <laughs> from. <laughs> you, you you started off in payroll in the UK. Um, so how did all how did all that start? How did you get into pay? Did you fall into payroll like everyone else? Yeah, I guess right. So I think initially when I first left school um, and did some next level education, I, I sort of had HR as you know the vision and and sort of started moving towards the, the HR route. And my first role was kind of one of these HR roles very junior but it came along with it came all of the 
household duties, you know, looking after the carpool, making sure the cleaners, rosters and schedules were done. Um, You know, the very sort of low level, I guess, HR officer, admin roles. But one of those was to um, look after the payroll, right? Um, It was for a fairly small um, spice company um, over in the UK. And it was really in the days. And I guess this has been a great grounding for me, right? So we used literally the old Kalamazoo, you know, manual pay calculation method um, and literally would order the cash on a Wednesday. It would arrive in, you know, a secure record or a secure four or security van on the Thursday evening. And then we would spend all Friday morning taking the cash, folding the pay slips, putting the cash into the brown envelopes, and then going to a really small office with a tiny window with a mesh grill, um, swapping pay cards for paychecks or, or pay packets and literally handed them out one by one. And that was it. You know, that was my introduction. It was a great grounding for me because it, it, I guess it was a lot to practice of calculating bonus rates and additional rates and shift rates and then obviously manual taxes and, and national insurance. So, yeah, it was great. What a journey. And I think that um, those of us, and I'm newer to the payroll industry, um, I've only been in payroll for about a year and a half or so. Um, And I think that journey that you just described, Steve, is probably something, you know, the new kids on the block, if you will, Mm -hmm. don't appreciate is actually having to, when we talk about manual things with payroll, you actually had to manually take the money and use the calculator. I mean, what a long way we've come. Yeah, absolutely. And even, I guess, from my very sort of early beginnings, because that was my route, what I've always tried to do is when people have joined teams that I've been involved in in leading is to try to make sure that they've got that basic understanding of the mechanics of what makes a paycheck, right? Rather than, I, I've heard a phrase lately that I that I really like, for very different reasons but you know rather than just shepherding data which seems to be a common function now right it's really to understand where that comes from what's the root of it what's the base of it how that then goes into the calculation where all of the other various calculations come from that come off that pensions and all of the other things right so um yeah it's important It, it certainly did me no harm and certainly as i've moved through my career and, and and trained and coached and mentored people i've always gone back to you have to calculate tax manually you have to understand how social insurance works and you need to run through those calculations because at the end of the day we've become over reliant i guess on systems and formulas and if something goes wrong what's your backup and your backup needs to be what's between your ears right and so you need to be able to calculate something manual in an emergency um, and so mm-hmm. that kind of a grounding and that kind of a, an education is is definitely worthwhile. For sure. Do you find yourself telling the stories of payroll from the beginning, <laughs> much like you tell kids today that we used to have VCRs that you had to rewind the tape cassettes? Yeah, embarrassingly, right? <laughs> because because when I first when I first started in payroll, my first couple of jobs as I sort of progressed through. I worked for some real, and Melanie will immediately recognize this, right? So 
what I classed at the, at the time as payroll dragons, right? So they were the they were the matriarchal sit in the corner of an office, bun tied up on their head, thick glasses, growled at anyone who'd even walk in through the door, right? And and I I always said that's not how I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be one of those really old grumpy payrollers who talks about the past. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you're not old and grumpy, are you? Just talking well, about I'm old, Yeah, I am. You know, if you if you speak to <laughs> enough people in my um, in my circle, then they will absolutely say that's the case. But I mean, hopefully with a modern tilt on it, right? So mm. trying to move things in a different direction and do things a very different way. And I guess what's progressed since those payroll dragons is right. Payroll has become more of a instead of an insular function with with one destination, and that is to get people their money so they could go and do whatever it is they needed to do with it on a weekly basis. It's become very much part of the organization. It's become very much a part of, you know, the reporting culture within an organization. It adds value in many, many different ways, right? And that's how our profession's gone. And so, yeah, I'm telling stories about the old days, but it's about how well it's gone and how much it's changed from those days, right? And yeah, you know, I'm still a little bit grumpy and I still growl at people when they come in the door, but, you know, that's the pressure, Mel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, there's a whole story behind that. I, I agree with you. And maybe maybe when you get older, you feel like you can be a bit more grumpier. So I think I think it's fine. <laughs> and, but, but one thing you are right about, um, I think, is so I've, I think I've been in the payroll industry for 25 years. And I think from when I started, the person that leads the payroll function now has really changed, hasn't it? Like that person is a different person now. And more so in the last 10 years, thank goodness, right? So um, when I first really get started getting into payroll as part of a, a an organisational function, right, I, I think it was, I can't remember, it was CIPD and then CIPP or some other formation of, of that organisation, right? And, and that was the start really of moving payroll in a very different direction. And way, way back in the early days, when people sort of joined that organization, it was still a lot of those payroll stick in the muds, I will say, without wanting to insult anybody, but probably am. Um, But there was a new way, there was a new focus, right? There was a new direction. And that kind of brought people like me along at the time. So this was maybe 25, 30 years ago or whatever it was. And... um, you know, I think that influx of people at the time then steered the direction which has led us to where we are now. And so, yeah, the industry is very different. The last 10 years, I mean, it's incredible, right? So I've pretty much been in Ireland for the last 10 years. When I first came over to Ireland 20 years ago, really good quality payrollers and payroll managers were really, really scarce, right? Um, and it really only started to hit here at that time that it was something to sort of start to take up as a profession and get involved in. Now, some incredible payrolls around. I really do feel like the old man on the block now because you just have to look at LinkedIn, you know, your connections, the people that you've interacted with over the years and and hopefully have, have, you know, been part of your work circle who've now gone on to take up positions in large organizations at a high level. Some incredible talent out there. Have you seen Steve over the course of the last, like even the last maybe couple of years, have you seen a change in new payrollers coming onto the scene that have come intentionally 
like you, we talk about lucking into payroll, which many, many people have. Um, mm. But do you find there's a more kind of conscious career choice of I'm going to go into payroll? Are you seeing a change there at all? Yeah, I think it, it's it's small, right? It's a small number because when you talk to people, most of the time, I would say it's probably six out of 10, seven out of 10 people will say the same thing. I kind of fell into it. I qualified as an accountant and, you know, I qualified through HR. And so there's always that, you know, it's always that lead in, just fell into it, covered someone for a couple of weeks, found out it was, you know, really interesting, did a little bit more. So I think the majority is still falling into it, but there are some now that are career payrollers that have purposefully and actively made that decision to get involved at a very early age and you can see it right they're much younger their knowledge and the way that payroll works um and the mechanisms behind it and the possibilities they've got all of that at a much earlier age now and they can only have got that from being involved at an earlier age i do still think there's some work to do i still think we are not attracting the talent from schools and universities, right? I, I still think uh, it's not a criticism on, on anyone, but I still think our catchment area is post-grad, post maybe one or two years working experience rather than, you know, trying to introduce some payroll element at 16, 17, 18, 19 years of age. It's much later in life. And so maybe, you know, the true career payrollers are going to come from that change and that focus in a, in a few years. I, I agree with you. So I agree with you so much there um, because I think people just aren't aware of the payroll industry. So people get paid, they know they get paid, but it's mm. they, they take it for granted. And I think if I went to my local school now and said to them, have you ever thought about going into payroll? They'd go, what's payroll? I, tr- I truly think that's what would happen. But um, not that I'm here for a plug or anything, because I won't be plugging. But that's one thing that we really want to work on as a GPA is to really um, try and push the payroll career. You know, um, I think there's so many dynamic people that work in the industry now. And one of the great things like doing these podcasts um, with Tiffany is that you're meeting people that have got like science degrees or law degrees and mm. they're ending up in payroll. So you've got these people with fantastic skill sets that actually work within the payroll industry. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be a struggle, right, Mel? Because the key to it is to get some element of payroll onto the curriculum. So I know over here in, in Ireland, the, the, the kids have a, an option in their fifth and sixth year, which is kind of 16, 17 years of age, right? They have an option to do business and finance. And a lot of them take that up there is no payroll element in that curriculum. And even if it's a month out of two years or a quarter out of two years, there needs to be something on that curriculum because otherwise they get no introduction to it and it all then either becomes marketing, sales, accounting. I was going to say, what, what a great life skill to actually have an understanding of when you get your first payslip. You know, it sounds, yeah. sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because, you know... It, just makes sense to actually, as you say, even if you have a month, because to actually understand, oh, okay, so this is a tax. I'm already aware of it, you know. Although, because at the moment, I'm I'm sure that when people receive their first pay slips, they are shocked about the tax in I or whatever country you're in. 
Mm. Oh, I totally remember that those days of going, who is this and why are they taking all of my money? <laughs> um, so you're absolutely right. I think just for the appreciation and the exposure and, you know, the other interesting to think about is even if they are having like an HR kind of component of um, whatever business program they may or may not have elected in, you know, what flavor is the discussion around payroll? Is it, you know, payroll of, you know, old, I would say, or or historical of or is it payroll of kind of the data, the shepherding of data, like you described, Steve? I think that that I'm going to totally borrow that. Uh, I'll give you the credit, I promise. Um, <laughs> but shepherding the data, right? I think the the function has changed so much. So it's entirely possible you have you know young people coming out of school that have a love for data and in and analyzing data, but never would have applied that in their minds to being applicable to payroll. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. And that, and that's where all the innovation comes from, right? It's those really clean eye, fresh approach, new ideas that tend to challenge what we have right now. And what we have right now is great compared to what we had 25 years ago, right? But what's the next step? Who's the next challenge? Where's the next innovation coming from? Um, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, getting people at that early age with those ideas and those challenges is it, that's the next evolution i guess um, and why do you why do you love being in the payroll industry steve uh, that's a great question right and one i've been asked lots and lots of times because i've been in this i've been in this role or function for so long now right um i, I guess without wanting to sound too self-centered i think it it, it was easy for me right from the very off, right? So it was something that I didn't really necessarily have to challenge myself with. And it just sort of, I sort of fell into a niche, right? I started at a time when SAP was really taken off in the UK and the HR module had a small payroll piece and they were really struggling for people that understood how that all fitted in and, and got connected. And so I got on a lot of projects, right? And so I became better at it simply through that evolution of being in the right place at the right time. And because of that, it gave me a bit of a unique perspective that I've then been able to continue and carry on through my career of having that slightly different USP, right? And that is that, um, you know, I have this functional calculation-based background, but I've also managed to pick up very quickly the system elements the design element of, of payroll and payroll structures. And so uh, I think the reason, the reason that long answer to a short question, the reason I like it is because I've always found it interesting and I've always found it challenging and always been able to learn, but also I've always found it pretty straightforward. It's not rocket science. It really, really isn't right. Um, and also I've, I've enjoyed being able to bring people into it and coach teams and develop people. And like, like I said earlier, there's some fantastic, payroll managers now that have, I've worked with over the years and so hopefully I've added to that and contributed and so I, I kind of get a little bit of a, a buzz out of that as well. What advice would you give to someone who is more comfortable with kind of the functional calculation side and less with the technology data side? Yeah don't I mean you can't really limit yourself you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone at least to get a more rounded experience because what's going to happen is you're going to push yourself into 
you know, a very, very small cul-de-sac and you're going to become limited career-wise. So while the people that do push themselves and take themselves out of their comfort zone are going to get more opportunities because they can diversify and they can do other things, they can add value to different projects and because of that get more experience of different areas of business and different departments, their experience is going to grow. And if you're limiting yourself to the the strict calculation-based, you know, churning out payrolls every month, you're not really going to be able to expand your career. So if it's somebody coming in, you know, later in life after they've had a career doing something else, great, fine, knock yourself out, right? But if you're younger and you're looking to build a career, because you can build a very, very good career in payroll now, there's many, many opportunities you have to push yourself outside your comfort zone to get that experience, to get those brands and names on your CV, right? Because you will, you may not think it right now. It's a little bit like learning algebra in school. You think you're never going to use it, but there will come a point in time when the perfect job comes up and your background and history and those times you've pushed yourself outside your comfort zone will come in very handy. You've worked for some really meaty companies, haven't you? You've had some You've dealt with some large payrolls. What? Yeah. Do you prefer to work with like the big multi-global international huge organisations? Is that sort of like your niche, would you say? Yeah, I think it, well, it's certainly developed into that, right? Um, but I think that's because they're the organisations that take more risk with the payroll function. You know, it, it really does become part of a global operation then larger organizations that have got large sales functions, for example, you know, the commission structure and and how comp is designed to attract talent, that all becomes part of it, right? And so it it generally is the larger organizations that will tend to get involved in that sort of stuff. Um, So that's, that's where I've tended to move to because those opportunities have arisen. So one thing, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at these, I'm sure you have. Um, Have you seen sort of the reports um, on LinkedIn and sort of the media about um, some of the struggles that the payroll departments have had because there's been just recently quite a, a lot of media haven't there of some of the failure points um, yeah. and you know personally I, I feel there's a combination it's not just about a system it's not just about the people you know I think um, you know high turnover staff and all, you know all sorts of factors um, may you know cause um, some of the failures that have been reported what what's your what's your thoughts on it so, so this is where the payroll geek bit comes in right because i read everything i'm genuinely interested in everything and if i see even if i see roles coming up you know that i'm not particularly interested in myself i really want to know how it's come about and, and how it's been created and what expansion's going on right um yeah I, my views are and always have been that strong control and compliance is the key to any payroll function and it has to be and you have to be as a leader or you know as a you know somebody with a, a key role in a, in a payroll function you have to have that audit and control mindset anally it has to be you have to be over the top you i mean i've driven my teams insane in the past with the need for check check verify double check right um if you get the data shepherding piece out of the way, that's why we're here. We're here for that, right? Not only to make sure that organizations are compliant in calculating and paying over taxes, 
we're, we're here to make sure there are none of these data breaches, financial impacts. You know, if an organization has an issue with paying people after they've left the organization, there's a fundamental break in the process. And, and it, it's entirely on me to start working with the other people in the organization to find out where that break is and to try to put it and to make I put a plug in it and make sure it doesn't happen again. So, yeah, I've sympathy. I've read some of them and, and some of them are really, really unfortunate. And the first thing I always think of is what was the control? What control failed there? And if the answer is there was no control, that's where the blame is. It's not with the poor person or people that have actually made the error. It's the fact that there is no control there. There is no third or fourth or fifth eye watching to make sure that some fundamental financial control audit error can go wrong. Yeah, that's when it goes back to, right, the, um, I guess maybe one of the downsides of payroll is when it's right and it works well, we hear nothing. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. when something happens, right, we hear all the things. And so it's very, um, I would say the the accuracy in performing as expected sometimes goes thankless, but, you know, the negative or the, the other side of it is so negative that, yeah. you know, it makes significant impacts on companies, on people's lives, all of those things. It's why, it's why constant monitoring and review and production of, of KPIs and statistics and metrics is vital, right? You could be producing completely accurate payrolls month after month after month just by luck, just by chance, right? I want to prove, and I've always wanted to prove, I'm producing really good on-time accurate payrolls through facts, through, you know, no argument, no disagreement, no white noise in the background about, oh, payroll do this and payroll do that, and they don't answer their queries within two days. Numbers, stats, facts produced every month. And the reason for doing that is twofold. Firstly, to take away that white noise, to put out there to everybody how your team is performing. Secondly, to make sure that as a leader of of a payroll function, you're tracking it. So if your tolerance is you know, 0.2 of an error each month and suddenly there's a month where it's 0.6 or 1.6. You don't wait for the next month you have 1.6. You find out why there was such a big change in that past month. You look at your controls, you look at the errors, you root cause them, you find out what the breach was, why there was such a big jump in in numbers, right? And, And you make sure that you jump on it straight away. And so it's an early warning system that something could be traditionally going wrong. And I, I think um, when I've spoken to, you know, fellow payroll professionals, there has been some sympathy there as well. You know, I think um, the last two years have been, you know, quite hard on on everyone. And when that when they, that sort of came out, you know, people were like, oh, you know, that's that's hard. Yeah. So um, hey, look, I was one. Right. I mean, my my previous employer will, you know, tell anybody who listens that I was the worst for the issues or concerns I had when everybody suddenly was working from home, right? How are we going to do this? You know, our payroll team has been in the office together for so long. A lot of our controls are visual. They are, you know, about being in the office and hearing and seeing things. How are we going to manage to do this and pay people and keep running accurate payrolls when everybody is dispersed and we don't see each other all of the time and we don't hear, you know, what's going on all of the time. Um, But you just find ways. and, And if you, 
if you think about controls in a slightly different way because of the circumstances you're in, you should still be able to keep that level of monitoring so that you can, you know, accurately see if something's gone wrong. Uh, look, there's been, you know, the, the last one um, that I read was, I mean, shocking set of circumstances and, and really, really unfortunate. But again, follow the path back and there is a control failure in there somewhere. Um, and so that's, you know, that's that's how I approach it. People always make mistakes. That's why we've got 10 fingers, right? There's 10 opportunities to make a mistake with those. Um, and so it, it happens. Um, I think you've just got to be alert and on the ball. Maybe we'll set up some campaign that when we do some good stuff, we'll just <laughs> start putting it all over LinkedIn as well. You know, Actually. I mean, the good thing is people are sharing these stories and these experiences now. So you learn yeah. from those, you know, and people, maybe people that are in other organizations might look at that and go, oh, wow. I mean, that could have happened to us. So we'll start doing something yeah. slightly differently. So that's a good thing, too. Yeah. When you get a group of payroll professionals in a room, the stories, right, and the commiseration and the oh, it's not just us or that didn't happen to us. Um, there's definitely like this nice, I think, community of mm. understanding um, and appreciation and all of these things. So I guess if we can't get appreci appreciation from others outside of the payroll world for everything running smoothly, we can get appreciation from each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a great thing, right? And so, you know, Mel's not going to blow her own trumpet here, but but she's been you know, one of those people that has been really, really pushing that over the last, uh, I won't give away how long, Mel, right? But um, yeah, yes, I mean, that, many that's, years. But, that's, but that's important too, right? You know, you've got to celebrate your victories. You've got to be able to give opportunity, you know, to people to get together and to learn, have shared learning, have those discussions, you know, uh, pat each other on the back a little bit, right? Because, yeah, you look, I only work one day a month and that's when the money hits the bank that's it right so um it's good to be around people that understand that that's not always the case and the amount of effort that goes into into making those things happen too and also the the people sorry the, the people from outside of the of the payroll sphere that have been sphere that have been introduced over the years you know we've got people now within our circle that are you know former hmrc specialists who are bringing that unique approach and view into how we have developed our industry over the years right we've got um we've got practitioners we've got providers who are on the other side of the fence maybe you know they're on the provision side who are you know joining these functions and joining these these opportunities to to talk and, and to interact who also bring a different view and a different approach to the industry so it's all good I think it's quite exciting times. I think there's there's still some work to do, and and you know that's something that we can all work together. But um, one of the um, stories that I um, really love is that some somebody was telling their husband that they that you know payroll is a thankless task. You know, like you know nobody says, "Oh, thank you for doing my payroll correct every month," and every month he started going to the payroll department and saying. Thank you so much for doing my, my wages this month. That's fantastic. And it got to the point that they were all freaked out and they asked him to stop. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable with the thank you. Very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, 
but um so so it sounds like you're a mentor um to people um steve do you do you have have you had anybody in your career that you think actually that person taught me a lot or they've really given me some insight that i'll always keep with me yeah yeah definitely absolutely um for, for many different reasons right so you know somebody we know very well i met many many years ago now nick bryant right um and i think at the time he'd taken one of the more senior roles that i'd seen at the time and and i sort of met him at a function and just just to sort of hear the different approach and the different way that he was talking about payroll and opportunities right that kind of confirmed for me where my mind was going at that time and where i was thinking my career wanted to go as well so so definitely you know that was a little bit of a a sort of light in the darkness for me at the time because that conversation i guess made me think i was kind of on the right track and then nick went on to do huge things and massive payroll roles right and so you know that that sort of backed up that feeling that that was a good conversation and a good meeting at the time i've learned a lot from from vendors you know uh, again somebody we know wendy muirhead I, I interacted with wendy you know a number of times over the years when i was looking for vendors and i'd always had uh, in my past i've always been one of these people who was never really too sure about outsource in-house you know I, I know there's trends and i know things go a certain way for a certain reason uh, and part of my reticence was because i'd always had a reasonably bad time in trying to find that golden unicorn of one vendor you know that can pay the world and and you know it's that it's that end of the rainbow moment right and so i'd always had some issues with that and and some relationship issues because you never really got what they promised and that type of thing and and wendy was the first person and i think i think that industry's changed as well because of this sort of approach where she was just very very honest and said look I'm not going to promise you the world, but I'll tell you what we'll do really, really well. I'll tell you what our system can do for you. I'll tell you what you can use it for and what you can do with it. And I think, you know, that approach sort of has helped me see that other side of things as well, that sort of service provision piece. And, and then again, you know, just people I, I've worked with over the years um, who, you know, that people will come in and they'll, they'll really take on the whole payroll ethos and, you know, people who will, they understand and accept that there are times that you just need to work more than you really should do. And you really need to put that effort in to do things without really being asked. And I'm always, you know, no matter what level and, and who, the, the one story that has stuck with me all the way through my life is that, and whether it's anecdotal, true or, or not, you know, is that old sort of JFK story about when he's at Canaveral and he sees a guy brushing the air hanger and he says, and what do you do around here? And the guy says, I help put people on the moon, right? And so it's that approach. It's it's that, it's that it doesn't matter what your job and what your role is. You do it really, really well to help the collective effort. And that's always inspired me as well. So it, sometimes it's not just individuals. It's, it's you know, a lot of people and, and how they pull together and get stuff done. So so what what's next for you then, Steve? Are you just going to be looking at these big international organisations? Is this... Is this the future? I don't know. I mean, I'm getting on now. Um, I, I don't know how much work is left in me, but um, yeah, who knows, right? I mean, th there's a there's a big role to do. There's a big job to do here. We've really only just started 
the journey of, of putting a, a global payroll function in place, right? So um, that that's a challenge and, and something I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into and, and building that out, right? But yeah, who knows? Um, I, I've never really been one. And this is, if anyone was to sort of ask me what would be my biggest regret, right? It would be, I guess, not being brave enough to do something on my own, right? Just to sort of strike out and set something up and do something new and 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 just be, I guess, independent. Um, I, I've never really been brave enough to do that. I've always liked the comfort of a salary at the end of the month and and not been, you know, having to take risks. Um, because I guess, as I said earlier, I've always found this comfortable and within my comfort zone, no matter how busy or complicated it got, I've always felt as though I could cope. Um, the, the setting something new up has never really fitted with me. So if I had one regret, it would be not trying that. So who knows, maybe that's something I can I can look at in in the future. Yeah, when you're not enjoying life and payroll, what do you like to do outside of your day job? Um, it's hard to remember right now <laughs> because <laughs> the hours are long. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess it's always been sporting. You know, my sporting background when I was younger, I always played a lot of sport, played rugby and, and soccer and stuff. And and then I sort of got into some coaching and, and did some sort of CrossFit training and CrossFit coaching. So it's always been athletics. It's always been a little bit sporty. My son, he's 18 now, so he's just made his first international debut on the um, Ireland weightlifting squad. So he's kind of wow. taken, taken to that as well. So, you know, I obviously support and support him and, and sort of follow him around a little bit. And I still go to the gym when I can. So yeah, it, it's all, it's mainly family. Um, we live in a lovely part of the world, you know, um, I'm no more than 10 or 15 minutes away from several sandy beaches. So it's nice to get out and do a bit of open water swimming if you can, and just get out there with the kids on a nice day. Right. So, um, yeah, that's it really, you know, it's a, it's a fairly relaxed, quiet kind of a, an existence compared to the younger days over in the UK and, you know, um, as I say, uh, having a sporting background, but um, yeah, it's great. Love it. Well, it sounds lovely. So we, we're sort of, we're sort of coming to an end now, Steve. So I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. It's been really interesting and I've known you for many years and it's great to get to know you, you know, know you more just over the last 40 minutes or so. Um, is there anything, Tiffany, that you wanted to ask or? Yeah, no, just thanks as well to Steve. It's great to learn about you. It's great to hear about kind of the progression of the payroll function as you got to see it being in the seat for for a large portion of that. So just very fascinating to hear and we appreciate you being on the show. No, thank you for inviting me. It's been a great pleasure. podcast is recorded in partnership with Amidis. Amidis is the leader in consolidated global payroll solutions, processing payroll in over 150 countries. The Amidis platform provides a unified view of global payroll operations, real-time data analytics, and advanced reporting capability while ensuring legislative compliance and data security. Amidis's deep integration capabilities with HCM and finance providers dramatically simplifies multi-country payroll obligations.